Hi, I'm Linda Fineris, host of B2B Brand 180 and CEO of Millennium Agency. If you want to transform your B2B marketing into a powerhouse brand, then you may want to listen in. And if you like what you heard today, click like, share, or subscribe. There's no doubt that CPG marketing continues to grow and e-commerce has really taken on a life of its own. Dr. James Richardson, PhD, launched a book called Ramping Your Brand and How to Ride the Killer CPG Growth Curve, and it has received phenomenal reviews. So in his book, Dr. Richardson outlined a four-part approach to thinking smarter about growth as a CPG entrepreneur. And during his time, he conducted years of research into how and why consumers pay for premium price CPG items. And the intensive 4P pattern analysis among top CPG brands that all reached 100 million plus in less than 10 years. And that's why I brought in Dr. James Richardson today from PGS, cultural anthropologist, strategy consultant, and CPG expert. So welcome, James, to the B2B Brand 180 podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Linda. Well, you did a great intro, so I won't try to add too much more. <laughs> I, I call myself an anthropologist turned business strategist because that's, I think, what everyone can understand the best. But what I really do is management consulting for founders who are new to the industry. That's great. So I, I'm excited to talk today really about how to bridge that gap between CPG strategies and increased sales. CPG <laughs> is a hot market. So I think let's get started. I know that what we do know, one thing, James, is that if you want to command a premium brand, you just can't have a great idea, but rather an amazing brand, brand positioning and strategy. So how do these CPG companies go to market and command a premium? I think that overall, I can say that they, they do it by becoming an expert in their category. And in, on occasion, that's accidental. To be honest, they're often geeks who are super disappointed with something, with some category out there in the grocery store. And this can turn into a personal obsession, which then turns into a business. Most people in the world that I'm in are, are amateurs, essentially, with a expert understanding of a category's deficiencies. And right. you know, I think those of you who are B2B marketers and work with clients who are, in, who are selling, you know, not fast moving consumer goods, you're used to your clients being pretty sophisticated about their, their categories. Right. And that, that is taken for granted, I think, by a lot of B2B marketers in my world, it's insanely competitive. And so you really do have to, you have to tap into something behavioral. And that's interesting that you speak about that because I think the behavioral part of CPG products or companies Mm -hmm. that develop products have to determine what the behavioral aspects are and also have to message emotionally around that behavior in order to get them connected to the brand. There's a lot more emphasis on what is the emotional consequence of consuming the product that I, yes. can, then, that I can then exaggerate in marketing. Exactly. <laughs> Dr. Squatch Soap, one of my former clients, is a great example of that hyperbole, right? They create a three-minute anchor video on YouTube that has now over a billion views in three years and created a half billion dollar business in two years because they used used emotion to tap into an audience that had never been addressed in personal care. Mm -hmm. And that's a fascinating case study that you presented there. And I do think that's that's where a lot of CPG companies do go wrong. They get focused on the features and 
you know, you may talk about the benefits, but no, it's really more than that. It's more about the emotional aspect that ties them. The one key item that they can hang their hat on and say, okay, what is it about that product that really makes me want it and makes, it will make me feel good, whether it's, you know. Yeah. And I think that the, yeah, I think the, the challenge is that the challenge I always seen is that because that's often taught, that's like taught at Kellogg. Right. People get MBAs in consumer marketing. They all go into the CPG universe. They're taught to wind up with an emotional sort of positioning or, or and, and I think that's great for advertising, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that won't, that won't actually create a premium brand. Right. Itself. You have to design an actual thing whose consumption experience is elevated and modern. And if you can't, you know, so you can't just do this with a new flavor of Ritz cracker. So the problem that I've seen is that the emotion has to come out to come from an innovative consumer experience that the consumer is now consciously aware of as as they're consuming it. And it's also emotional, but it's it's emotional from the product innovation, Mm -hmm. not the arrogant arrogance of an established brand. Right, right. So that's so, a lesson, even for folks who are working with like established durable goods companies and you're the marketing agency, it's still a lesson you can apply to an incumbent brand because if you want to actually do something innovative, you actually have to engage in something they call creative destruction. You have to be willing to attack your own business. Of course. And right. you should do that under another trademark. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that, that goes without saying, but very few consumer goods companies want to actually do that. They're right. more likely... I found they're more likely to acquire my clients after they scale mm-hmm. than to then politically inside those companies to come up with, well, Ritz is going to, Ritz isn't growing anymore. So we need a new cracker. Yeah. Let's just create a new brand. They almost never do. Yeah. And I think <laughs> with some of these CPG firms and companies, it's, you know, it's challenging to start to be a startup oh. and to define a, a space in the market that they can take advantage of and then potentially or eventually compete with some of the larger brands. And that takes time and obviously and money, but it is that strategy to be able to innovate a brand or a product that is different and that makes it unique and allows them to, you know, use them to leverage and grow their brand. I think you're right. I think that the challenge is what do you do with traditional principles of branding? And I think that what I've noticed is that the branding can be really powerful in making you appear essentially bigger, mm-hmm. than, bigger than you are mm-hmm. and right. more professional and cool than you are. But in my world, the growth is mostly product experience driven. So the brand actually has to honor that. But if you're not innovating, I don't know. I haven't seen a lot of companies that get to the actual scale in my industry just off a branding layer and no product innovation. Right. Usually yes. if they did, it's because they had a great sales team. So I did notice in your book, you had mentioned something. You said, don't hit the gas too early. Successful CPG startups manage a rolling iterative experiment until key KPIs appear. You should learn this mm-hmm. art. So what do you mean by that? Can you speak to that a little bit? So the, the, the crash rate is a little higher in CPG than in, right. in durable goods. But and the crash can happen real fast, like within six to nine months, if you go out too fast with the wrong thing, because they didn't take the time to study their fans. Right. To learn, exactly. To learn what were what are the aspects of the consumer experience and the design that are really driving repeat purchase and fandom. I mean, it's often not what caused the founder to create the product. This is a real problem with amateurs. Is right. a non-objective approach to innovation. 
It's literally subjective. It's literally birthing it from their heart into the universe as a critique of the category. But their critique is often off-center from what's going to generate the growth. Uh-huh. So most of what I do is get people to realize, to reframe what they have. I come in and say, no, that's not actually your edge. Your edge is this. I often have to come in and sort of help people better understand the thing that they have so that they can get it on a growth. The one thing that's in my book that I've learned, at least, is that usually it's about a mass market outcome from the user experience. That's what unlocks the growth. And that's what gets them the correct position. Uh-huh. Dr. Scratch is a great example. They started marketing as just another overpressed soap bar. They marketed right. it as a natural, non-processed soap bar. Well, that had been tried for 40 years. That didn't uh-huh. create any business for anybody. There's probably uh-huh. 20 brands doing that. It, because the minute you put it in that box, there's just this tiny audience that, you, that even wants to listen to. But once you reframe it as, we're going to modernize your, your masculinity in the shower. Right. Now you have a huge audience. Right. You're connecting. You're making a connection. So it's the same product, same formulation, same attributes. You're just Mm -hmm. connecting them to a different outcome through great storytelling. Great point. Companies, you know, we know they love to be everything to everyone. And steady velocity growth is essential to ramping up anybody's brand. But what I'm curious about is how do these CPG teams actually learn how to sustain that in key geographies, key demographics, so they don't have to buy like premature distribution to obtain some growth with their sales. So there's a, there's a bunch of different ways to do it. And I think that the presumption here is that you're not going to start off with a mature marketing yeah. budget. Right. Right. So, and that's actually true of big companies too. They're not going to assign $30 million advertising campaign to a new launch. That almost never happens unless the CEO came up with the idea. And so what people do is a combination of cheap tactics, which take more time, they take years to have an effect and they precede the market. So they're actually building awareness nationally through PR free, like appearances in targeted media, right? Right. Uh, And even in events and they're using out of store event sampling and then marketing to also build awareness. Uh, That's when they, that's when they get in the market. So it's what I tell my clients is that when your tool is appearances in the media that are earned so free, your team just pitched people and you go, when that's your tool, you have nothing to lose doing that years ahead of becoming national district, mm-hmm. nothing mm-hmm. to lose yeah. as long as you can maintain it. Cause what happens if you have an interesting product, it's design will cause intrigue with the right people. Some of them want to buy right away and go to your website, pay the extra shipping. And so then you start building these geeks will start appearing in major cities, which is great because you can activate those people later. When I work with my clients, I tell them to use cheap techniques to build the awareness before you won't show up in stores. That includes using online sales, online sales, if you can afford them, because it's better to be the way that you become a cool premium brand in almost any category is that people have heard about you for a while and you're exclusive and they can't get in touch with you. They can't get cold of you. That's what causes brands to have a premium halo. So James, what I'd like to do now just to wrap it up is could you give me your perspective and provide maybe three key takeaways for an innovative CPG brand that you think that you could help our audience with? Yeah, I, the first is design a modern innovation in a category that you know really well and are passionate about and get it into the market. Then 
let it soak. Talk to your fans who are repeat purchasers and learn what are the outcomes in their life that, that your product is fulfilling really, really well. What makes it cool to them and how do they feel about it? That gives you the material to develop the kind of messaging you want on your package, you want to have your branding agency and your marketing team. And then three is don't add distribution until you've figured out your out-of-store and in-store marketing playbook that is creating irrationally high velocities for a small business. And that's all going to be benchmarked to your specific category. But when you're selling two, three, four, five times as fast as the startup next to you, that's how distribution will come to you in a natural way that's a lot more effective. Well, that's great. So again, thank you today for listening in. And on behalf of B2B Brand 180, thank you, James. And just to recap, he works with CPG companies who are experiencing growth and want to continue that growth. And maybe they want to get their brand on the ramp to success. So just check out his book. Here's a great quote that I want to share. This book illuminates both the strategy and the tactics that can put a CPG entrepreneur on the path to success. To get in touch with James, visit www.premiumgrowthsolutions.com or visit rampingyourbrand.com to buy his book, which is available on Amazon. I'm Linda Fenaris, host of B2B Brand 180 and CEO of Millennium Agency, which if you'd like to visit us, visit Mill. M-I-L-L dot agency or connect with me on LinkedIn. And to help our channel grow and educate more B2B leaders on brand strategy, feel free to click like, share, or subscribe. Thanks again.